0: Chapter 27 of Babu Jabberji, B.A. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Babu Jabberji, B.A. by F. Anstey. Chapter 27 Mr. Jabberji is unavoidably compelled to return to the town thereby affording his solicitor the inestimable benefit of his personal assistance an apparent attempt to pack the jury the public fell astounded at the news which came with perfect novelty of surprise upon this insignificant self that i have ceased to be cherished guest beneath the hired scottish roof of mr leofric albert innit and his buxom lady it fell out after this fashion. One fine September morning, when I was accoutreting myself in order to go out and hunt the robot N.B., a genuine local scotticism for individuals belonging to the rabbit genius, there came to me my young friend Howard, who was to teach my young idea how to shoot, in great gloom, asking me if it would take me a prolonged period to pack up my impedimenta. I replied, that i could do the trick instantaneously inquiring the reason for this question because said he if i were you i should have a wire requiring me to come up to london at once from my solicitor i inquired is he then desirous of consulting with me my friend answered me that it was the one object of his present existence in that case said i rather spiritedly let him come up here since i am not a mountain that i should obey the begging call of any Mohammed. moreover i am impatient to achieve the destruction of some scottish robbers. if you will take my advice he said you will grant them the reprieve and make a scarcity of yourself there is a train from glasgow which you can just catch i wouldn't distress the mater and the governor by any farewells you know But. I objected i am not even in receipt of any telegram nor can i possibly omit the etiquette of a ceremonious leave-taking with your honourable parents just as you please replied he just now the governor and mater are in the front sitting-room engaged in perusing the back numbers of your precious jossers and toddlers or whatever you call them which have been thoughtfully forwarded by a relative I don't mind i would disturb them are they so hugely interested in the performance of my unassuming penna i cried with a gratified simpering of her red. it looked like it when i left the room said he the maitre was very near rolling on the oilcloth and the governor dancing and foaming from his mouth what an awfully old ass you have been jab to go and blurt out everything in print about your breach of promise case and getting to know us and worst of all being merely a bougie prince naturally we wouldn't care about being made to look fools the dear old mater you know is one of those simple trusting natures that if they once discover they have been taken in by a sham title why they kick up the row of a deuce and as for the governor He's the sort of old retiring chap that has a downright loathing of publicity, where it makes him ridiculous. If we came across you just now, there's probably really no saying what he might not do. He's such a devilishly hot tempered old boy. I did not comprehend the reasons for such exuberant anger, but of course, Eng Howard insisted so urgently on physical dangers to myself if i delayed that i hastened stealthily to my room by a stair, and flinging my paraphernalia with incredible despatch into a portmanteau was so fortunate as to convey it out of the house without attracting the invidious attention of my host and hostess who were probably still occupied in foaming and rolling upon the carpet like angry waves of the sea young accompanied me to the station though blaming me as the cause for his embroilment with his progenitors who it seems had insisted quite unjustly that he must have known from the first that my nobility was merely a brevet rank and miss wavy bade me farewell with a soft and perfectly ladylike cordiality being too grieved by my departure to make any allusion to the head and friend of my offending now I am once more in London, paying daily visits of several hours to the office of my solicitor, in order to assist him in preparation of my brief. The other day, Babu Jalpani boy and Babu Chakrabati Ram attended for the purpose of arranging their evidence, when I regret to say the former made a rather paltry exhibition of himself, being declared by Mr. Smartle, himself, to be totally incompetent to prove anything whatever material to the case, and I am therefore resolved to refuse him admission to the witness-box. I am more hopeful of Mr. Ram, who, I think, after diligent coaching from myself, may be induced to restrain his natural garrulity and speak no more than is set down for him, which is simply that I have already in his presence contracted matrimony with juvenile native, and that the laws of my country entitle me to marry several more, this is in support of one of my most subtle pleadings of defence to wit that I have that I have already offered to marry the plaintiff according to my country's laws, but that she did not definitely decline such a marriage as polygamous, which it is indubitably liable to become at any moment, consequently that my said contract is nilled by mutual consent. Mr. Smartle was of the opinion that the plaintiff's solicitors would move to strike out such a pleading as bad in law since it is no defence to an action for breach of promise that the defendant is already the benedict fortunately they have omitted to do this and i anticipate exciting excessive admiration in court by the ingenuity of my arguments from analogy common sense roman law and so on my said solicitor has also communicated with honourable sir chetwin cummerbund to inquire if he would consent to appear as a witness to my dependent filial condition and entire lack of the sinews of war which with fatherly kindness he has agreed to do and as he rather humorously puts it convince the jury that i am the good riddance of bad rubbish now the decks are cleaned for action and all is ready for forensic logomachy as soon as it may please Providence and some associate in the Queen's Bench division to place the suit of Mankletow v. Jabberjee in the list of causes for the day. My solicitor's advice, which I shall very probably adopt, is to keep as close as possible to the issues, and more especially to the point that if I give any promise to marry at all, it was extorted from me by threats of bodily violence. Which reduced me to a blue funkiness. Also he recommends that I am not to attempt any golden-mouthed eloquence, thereby making the lamentable exhibit of a most stupendous ignorance of human nature. For what can melt the stony hearts of men causing them to bellow like an ox and become tender as chickens, or what can rouse them to indignation, approval, contempt, wonderment? and every other known sentiment as required, so effectively as the trumpeting tongue of our rhetorical eloquence. All I can aver is that, if I am not to be permitted to draw the glittering sword of my tongue from the scabbard of my mouth, I shall infallibly, in sheer sickishness, at such short-sighted folly, throw up my brief. I must not omit to say, that if any of my fellow colleagues on this periodical of course including honourable editor should be anxious to become eye-witness of my forensic debut i shall be overjoyed to procure their admission and will instruct the usher that they are to be awarded the seats of honour perhaps it might even be feasible for two or three of them to obtain appointments as jurymen if so Let them not turn the deaf ear to the gentle wheezings of their esprit de corps, but remember that it is not the custom of one eagle to peck another in his optics. End of chapter twenty-seven. Read by Lambda.